0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Thanks a lot for checking out the podcast. I appreciate it. Coming up, Candace Bergen, Tory House Leader and Portage Lisgar MP, Jordan Bonaparte will be here. He has a podcast called Nighttime, and Jordan and his podcast are joining the Chorus family. Details coming up. And Richard Cluche tonight will be moderating the mayoral fast pitch and forum. At the University of Winnipeg. We'll talk to Richard about that and get some thoughts from him on the upcoming civic election. Now, before we begin, please subscribe to the podcast. And would you mind rating the podcast, please? Five stars would be great. (laughs) Thanks a lot. And now, the podcast. The Tory House Leader in Ottawa... And the MP for Portage, listgar joins us now on the phone. Candice Bergen. Candice, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you for doing this. So an interesting day yesterday on Parliament Hill. Tell us about this Liberal crossing the floor over to you guys.
1: Well, uh, this this particular member of Parliament, Leona uh, Alislev, I think... Is feeling and articulated yesterday what a lot of liberal uh, voters are feeling, and what even some liberal insiders are feeling, and that's real frustration, if not anger uh, and deep concern about where this country is going and the fact that Justin Trudeau uh, and what he promised just is not uh, following through. So she she crossed over. She stood up yesterday. She spoke with integrity, with conviction. She's a former uh, member of the uh, Canadian military. Uh, she's a former executive, a very smart, bilingual woman. Stood up uh, of her own volition and said, articulated her concerns and then she literally crossed over and, and joined us. She, she said that she needed to, that she she wanted to. She, she felt that Andrew Shear and the team here, that we have a firm grasp of the urgent issues that we're facing as Canadians and that we are ready to confront them. And so we are really pleased to welcome her. She's going to be a great addition to our team.
0: Any concerns, because I'm hearing a bit of this from listeners, not a lot, but a bit of this, any concerns about her character and the ethics of this, you know, abandoning the party that she was uh, elected to, to under that banner?
1: Well, I think a couple of things. She has made a real effort to try to bring her concerns uh, to the Prime Minister, to the people around him. Uh, she said it's been met with a deaf ear. She's given it uh, some very earnest thought and real real, real effort. Uh, in her speech, she talked about it. She said, you know, my loyalty is not to party, it's to country. And I think think that she being part of the military she's got a real sense of the importance of loyalty to country she will face the voters she'll face the voters in the next election and she'll be held accountable uh, to the voters for every decision that she made but you know her argument is i can't serve my constituents uh, in this caucus i can't serve my constituents as a liberal i can't condone what the prime minister is doing this is not what i signed on for, on what i signed on for basically was her message so uh, I, I you know and any anybody who listens to her for even two or three minutes. You can hear her strength. You can hear her integrity. You can hear that this is a woman of real conviction. And nobody crosses from the government into opposition. You know, there's there's no perks to be handed out here in opposition. Mm. That that was a big move for her to make. And, and I think it really showed her motives, which is her love for her country.
0: You know, Canadians don't go to the polls until next year. But are you sensing a shift out there, Candace, where Maybe some people that did vote liberal last time will go conservative this time.
1: Hal, I am hearing it. I've been traveling across the country over the summer, certainly uh, in Manitoba. I am hearing it very loudly. There are a lot of people that voted for Justin Trudeau, wanted to give him a chance, but they have seen him fail over and over. And I mean, this past summer, whether it's on NAFTA, we're not getting NAFTA signed. You know, while Mexico's signing a deal, the Prime Minister is surfing in Tofino. Uh, whether it's on pipelines, we're not getting uh, the jobs and the opportunity and the investment that comes with, with pipelines. The illegal border cross, people are very disappointed and really asking themselves what did we do voting this guy in and we cannot afford another four years of, of him
0: you brought up some of the issues i think that were sort of forgotten yesterday with this floor crossing and you've touched on many that will be focused on uh, in the commons what are some other things that manitoba voters are telling you uh, issues that are important to them
1: well, I did. I, I am in my riding. I live in Winkler, so obviously it's, it was really nice being in the riding over the summer, being able to go to festivals and, and, and have roundtables, meet with constituents. And I, my last series of roundtables was literally just before I came back, so a week ago. Uh, NAFTA is really, really important. And the message that I got was, we need a deal with the U.S. The U.S., we have a great relationship with them. Um, yes, we need to expand our other trading relationships, but we have to have a deal, uh, and we need to be able to trade and do business with the U.S. So that was front and center. Um, you know, I also did some roundtables and spoke with some groups uh, in Manitoba that represent the disability community. This is a community that under conservatives were, were very uh, important. We, we believed in the, uh, the, the ability of people, not just their disabilities, and so we we put out a lot of policy. You'll, you'll recall under Jim Flaherty, whether it was the RDSP, whether it was uh, enabling accessibility, lots of policy to support people with disabilities. They are really feeling abandoned by this government. The Liberals have done literally nothing. I, I don't think there's been a piece of legislation in the last three years, so I, I was talking to people who are maybe vulnerable, but also have so much to contribute. And they're just looking uh, for, for an even playing field and being able to, to get out into the workplace, for example. So I think that Manitoba there, obviously, are economic issues. There are uh, issues around accessibility and, and social issues. And, you know, as Conservatives, we feel it's important to be in, working hard. You know, sure, take, take a day off here or there. But you've got to spend that time in, the, in, in your constituency. You've got to talk to people. You've got to do the hard work it doesn't seem like the Liberals know how to do that hard work. And, and you know, I guess with, with Justin, you know, and it's no fault of his own, he was born into a lot of money. He's never had to really figure out, boy, I better work hard because I've got to get that paycheck because I've got to pay the bill. He doesn't really understand that. So, you know, I find in my riding, Portage, Lisgar, these are really hardworking people, and I think uh, Manitobans really relate to hard work, and from hard work comes results, and, and we're just not seeing that out of Trudeau.
0: Talk about your leader. You mentioned our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Talk about your leader, Andrew Scheer, because I hear from a lot of people that he's not getting out there enough, that come election time, people aren't going to know your leader, Andrew Scheer, well enough.
1: Well, this is every opposition leader um, gets that kind of feedback. They're in opposition, and I think in this case our leader who has been traveling across the country, meeting, he's been in Winnipeg I think three times over the last summer, uh, and he's coming back to Winnipeg. Maybe he's only been there twice, but he's coming back actually this coming week. Um, but, you know, in opposition, especially when you're up against a celebrity prime minister who uh, is literally a celebrity and the media follows him, I, I understand that. But with the people, what's, what's what we know is the people that meet Andrew uh First of all, not only is he, he's really likable, he's, he's incredibly genuine. You know, what you see is what you get. He grew up um, in in Ottawa, but he grew up with a family very, very middle class, probably little less than middle class they have to work very hard for everything that they had he himself has five kids but he also understands the the challenges of uh, of governing he's incredibly smart experienced he's got uh, he, he's been underestimated before put it that way and when people meet him they say this guy this guy has got what it takes to get this country back on track so we are certainly you know happy when he's in in the province happy when when he's in different parts of the country But I'm particularly, because I'm fortunate I I get to work with him as house leader, I'm incredibly impressed. Every day I work with him, impressed by his character and by his grasp of the issues. And I think what happened yesterday, Leona coming across, she said she spent uh, over two, two and a half hours talking with Andrew before she made this decision. And that's what sold her, is his grasp of the issues and the strength that he brings and his resolve to make the tough decisions and to, to put hard work into what has to be done.
0: Candace, I always appreciate your time, but if Andrew is coming to Winnipeg next week, please put in the plug. I'll set aside 15 or 20 minutes on my show for him.
1: I will let him know that, Hell, for sure.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.
0: You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. The Nighttime Podcast. Great podcast. Only a few years old, but boy, it is popular. One of the most popular podcasts in Canada. The man responsible for it, he does it all. He was the creator, director, producer, host, all of it. Jordan Bonaparte uh, joins us on the phone here now. Good afternoon, Jordan. Hello. Great to be here, Hal. Well, and welcome to the Chorus family. This is cool. Congratulations.
2: This is big, yeah. I'm excited. I feel like um, the the new guy in the office, but I also feel like the young, cool guy. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> you are very cool. Your podcast <laughs> is really cool. I started
0: listening to your podcast. A couple of years ago, you were doing some stuff on Oak Island, and I love Oak Island, The Curse of Oak Island. So I listened, and I don't get every episode, but I listened quite a bit. Nighttime is fantastic.
2: How did that all begin for you? Well, first of all, thanks for the for the kind words. I'm also an Oak Island fanatic, but where it began with me really was my and this, people, uh, your listeners may roll their their eyes at this, but my grandfather and grandmother claimed to have been witness to a UFO event in 1984 in Cape Breton. Uh, My granddad, uh, maybe when he turned about 92, he started talking about it all the time, becoming almost obsessed with it. Uh, So I decided I was going to interview him a few times and do a bit of research and see if I could figure out what he may have seen back in 84. Um, What I ended up putting together was about an hour-long audio documentary, I guess you'll call it. And I wasn't sure what to do with it, so I just decided to release it as a two-part podcast series. And so I released it, and to my surprise, a whole bunch of people listened. So I went ahead and made a third episode and a fourth episode, and now I'm on my, I think, close to my 70th episode. And it's just been growing and becoming more fun, and I've been getting better at it as I went. So that's that's really it. It just started as just a little thing I did once, and... Here I am, years later, uh, a member of the chorus family, and
0: one of the most successful podcasts in Canada, which is just incredible.
2: It's yeah, it's bizarre to hear that, but i i don't uh, I don't feel like that. I think it's uh, I'm just happy to have listeners who uh, who engage with the stories and get as into it as I do. I don't really gauge the success on downloads or any of that kind of stuff. I really just look at how many people kind of get, get into the stories the way I do. And it turns out a lot of people are into the same weird stuff as me.
0: You mentioned your grandfather and the UFO. I am not rolling my eyes because I'm into all that stuff. Bigfoot (laughs) UFOs, paranormal ghosts, you name it. I'm into it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not rolling my eyes. What are some of the subjects that nighttime takes a look at? Because it's some of that, but it's also, uh, well, like, for example, your latest episode, it's about a a missing man.
2: Yeah, that's right. I kind of, I mix it up, and I do that so I I don't get bored myself, and I also do it because I'm trying to kind of surprise my listeners and give them something fresh every episode. Generally, what I do is look for interesting or unique stories from across Canada that people who don't follow the weird and unusual things that happen will be surprised to hear. So sometimes it's going to be a, a crime story. I do a lot of mysteries, paranormal stories, and sometimes I just try to find, you know, unique or weird people, places, or events. Like I did an episode last month on Frankie McDonald, who you may know as the be prepared weatherman from love, Cape Breton Island. I
0: love Frankie. He's great. I just played yeah. his uh, big warning for Hurricane Florence the other day.
2: Yeah, so I did one on him would just be an example of like again a lot of my listeners are outside of Canada so a lot of people who listen to my show will hear that episode and hear Frankie for the first time. So that's kind of kind of it. I just kind of mix it up with different stories and really my my goal with the show is to convince people, Canadians in small towns across the country. I want to convince them that the world outside their door is a lot more magical and mysterious than you may think it is, especially so if you're tied down with a job and a mortgage and a car payment and getting the kids to their sports games. I just kind of want to infuse a bit of the magic and mystery that i always knew was out there and turns out uh, in my research at least it's all over the place you just kind of have to look for it a bit
0: radio and podcasting really it's a it's a great partnership because we're kind of doing the same things you know it's different but it's sort of the same we want to engage with an audience
2: yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see how it works though because one thing i've always felt with my podcast is Doing it on my own in my, you know, out, off my laptop in my spare bedroom sort of thing. It's just um, I felt like kind of like this renegade doing it c- completely on my own. But all my talks with chorus, it seems like they're as excited and interested in me kind of exploring this strange stuff the way I have been. Except they they're interested in airing it on their airwaves. So right. I think it's the it's great. I think people who listen to the commercial radio on the commute to work and drive home or whatnot they may be surprised when they stumble upon my show at least i hope so
0: well the podcast certainly is available and starting october 22nd they will be able to hear you and nighttime right here on CJOB and right across the chorus radio network in canada very cool
2: Exactly. And in the meantime, like you said, all the episodes are sitting there waiting right now on nighttimepodcast.com. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever else people get podcasts.
0: Hey, before I let you go, Jordan, tell us a bit about this current episode that's up, The Missing
2: Guy. Yeah, the most recent episode is the story of uh, the, the disappearance in search for Ryan Stuka, who is a 20-year-old man from Alberta who for a, a, the winter season, he went to Sun Peaks, which is a ski resort just outside of Kamloops. Uh, he went there with a friend. They were planning to work the ski lift and, you know, have a great summer or great winter snowboarding and whatnot. However, as it turns out, one night they were at a small host party. Uh, nobody has seen Ryan leave the host party, and they haven't seen him since. So there's uh, no idea of where he went or what may have happened to him. The last time he was seen, he was in kind of the uh, law uh, the uh, near the door of the house, basically getting his shoes on, getting ready to leave, and nobody's seen him actually leave the house. And for the roughly eight months since since that night, uh, his his mother and father and friends and family and teams of uh, volunteers have been all over Sun Peaks uh, Resort looking for him and have yet to find any trace of it. So on on that episode, um, his mother joins me basically to tell the story of the life, the disappearance in search for 20-year-old Ryan Stuka.
0: Jordan, thanks for this. And again, congrats and best of luck. My
2: pleasure, Hal. Thanks for having me.
0: Jordan Bonaparte, nighttime podcast, part of the Chorus family now. We call it Curious Cast, podcast for the curious. And as I said, you will be hearing Jordan and nighttime right here on CJOB starting October 22nd. Stay tuned for details. Uh, 4.30 today, if you don't have your paperwork in, if you're running for council or school trustee or mayor, uh, you're not in the race. And so, how many people, Richard Cloutier, do you expect at
3: your forum tonight that you're moderating? I'm told there's at least seven. That mm. may be fewer than that, depending on what happens at 4.30. If you want to run for mayor, you need 250 signatures. Yes, For city councillor, it's uh, only 25. In the ward you're running in. And uh, they have to be verified. Mm. Uh, So uh, we'll be interested to see if all seven get their paperwork in on time. And this is unusual for me because usually uh, I've done forums or debates where there's two, three, maybe four candidates. Mm -hmm. But once you get into more than four, it becomes a very different dynamic. Uh, the part of the format for tonight at the University of Winnipeg that starts at seven o'clock is fast pitch, and you see that a lot now based on the TED Talks. So what is that? Explain what that is. Three minutes, and there's your pitch, and um, part of me would love to have a nine-year-old in the crowd judging this, and you know if they look down or look away mm-hmm. or you know start to yawn, yeah. they get yanked off the stage. Right but that doesn't happen. This is Mm -hmm. a more polite approach. And in that three minutes, the candidates can really say anything they want. Mm -hmm. The focus of this debate is more environmental issues. Uh, So part of the format goes with very specific questions for the candidate. But when you get as many candidates as you do, you don't get the debate, you don't get the crosstalk. What happens is that you get a series of, of statements and that can be a little bit more frustrating. But so be it. Uh, you know, the, the mayor has said that he wants to participate in forums that uh, all the candidates are invited to. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, uh, he's going to have a cakewalk, at least yeah. in these types of public forums. Uh, I'll be hosting one towards the end of the campaign. How many sponsor- are you doing in total, by the way? Uh, three, maybe five. Wow. We'll see. Uh, the next week I'm doing the downtown biz one that's focused in on downtown issues. And there they have some hoops for candidates to go through. They've asked them to provide answers and videos, et cetera. And then uh, the format for the uh, the final one with the chamber that I'm involved in the week before the election, they're trying to narrow that down just to the top candidates. And that always seems to be a l- well attended mm. and uh, focused in on, simply because, you know, based on um uh, participation polling these are the candidates that actually have a chance this
0: is this is sort of boiling down at least at this point we're a ways out yet but this is boiling down to a two person race or it appears yeah. it's okay. our incumbent mayor Brian Bowman and Jenny Mokaluk, who is uh, his main opponent at this point. The polling came out, the mayor's got something like 22, she's got 11. Were you surprised at almost 60% in this
3: latest polling undecided? No, not at all. I don't think people are engaged in city politics. They're engaged when they're asked for an opinion about Portage in Maine or whether they're happy. Is the city on the right track or the wrong track? And I'm not sure that that question was asked. And I think it's very important that that question get asked in the polling uh, simply because uh, it, it's more a gentle, general feeling and sentiment, mm. and I realize that some candidates uh, are bringing up the crime issue. And it, what happens in polling is that if it's covered a lot, that's top of mind for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yes, I think unlike four years ago, crime is more of an issue now than it was. But I don't get a sense that people are really unhappy with uh, the direction that the city is going. I, I don't think that there is this attitude about throwing the bums out. And let's face it, once you're mayor... Yeah, it's tough to knock you off. You're mayor for life unless you do something egregious. Yeah. Uh, and and if you've done something egregious, usually you get the message and you bail. Yeah. And you don't run again. And that was certainly Sam Cates' decision Last time around, not to run Mm -hmm. again because his negatives were up. Having said that, Brian Bowman made a lot of promises going in four years ago. And uh, he's turned out, according to many, as the typical politician that Mm -hmm. has really watered himself down, especially on some of the issues he's so passionate about. He still says he's passionate about it, but I'll be fascinated with some of these other races that are going on. Not just the mayoral race. We've got some open candidates, open races and so the where there are where there are no incumbents, and so that means it's wide open. Four races are that way, unless somebody steps up and uh, competes against Janice Luke's in the newer riding that uh, she's running in. She'll she'll win by acclamation. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we've got uh, some pretty interesting races as well at the council level. And depending on who comes in, I'll be fascinated to see the group that uh, Bowman, if reelected, has to work with. Um, I think that this is a two-person race, or at least we in the media are going to try to make it a two-person race. Yeah. Uh, she... So let me ask you a question. Sorry to interrupt, but I want no, to ask no, you no. a question relating
0: to that. So you're moderator tonight. Do you try and get the two of them to go at it a bit, or uh,
3: difficult the... in a seven uh, right. when you have that yeah. many candidates? And they're uh, depending on whether they're drawing lots or whatnot. I, I, I'm. What will happen tonight is that. Depending on the order, I expect Jenny to take some shots at Brian.
0: Mm. Oh, and for sure. Brian yeah.
3: would love to have the opportunity to rebut, but that's not part of the format. Mm. So that can be a little frustrating at times, but we'll see if. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the one next week is a lot looser format, and uh, that's where we can have a little bit more fun.
0: Yeah. Our question of the day at CGOB here said about uh, roughly, I'm going by memory, about half of the people. Uh, weren't really crazy about the job that Mayor Bowman has been doing. I really don't like it or, or sort of don't like it. And then I think about Portage and Maine being on the ballot, and I think, boy, you know what? If, if Portage and Maine brings more people out, that could hurt Bowman.
3: It could. And I, I think that if people are passionate about it and decide to go out and vote on that plebiscite, well, then I might as well stick around and vote for the rest. Yeah. Uh, And chances are, if they don't want Portage and Maine open, and that seems to be a majority, they're likely not going to vote for Bowman. But who votes in municipal elections? Right. Uh, They're generally older voters. Mm -hmm. And really, it's about getting the vote out. Yeah. And um, do not underestimate Bowman's team. Absolutely. He's got a very good team. And don't... Uh, Underestimate Jenny's team. She's got a good team in place. She's uh, changed communications director. I think you're going to find her to be a lot more sharp and focused when it comes to her messaging is concerned and certainly going to poke holes and poke at Brian every opportunity he gets. I'll Mm -hmm. be interested to see whether or not he acknowledges her or not, because uh, if you're a front runner, you're just running your own campaign. And you don't acknowledge anybody else in the room. You thank everybody, but it's in in Bowman's interest to have as many candidates on the stage as possible. Yeah.
0: is there a dark horse? If it's Brian and Jenny, and then who would be the third? Who else is is somewhat well? You interviewed you? him.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Dayak is uh, is certainly somebody of thirty-year beat cop of substance yep. that can talk about uh, crime issues. And I think in a longer format, he's got something to say. And I think mm-hmm. uh, he's somebody that has some some background. I'll be interested to see tonight who impresses. Because in three minutes, uh, you can outline a lot of what you wanna do, whether you should be taken seriously or you're just somebody that's just trying to get the publicity or you've got to, to vent your spleen in front mm-hmm. of people, those types of things. Yeah. And you see some familiar faces there. Um, And and we'll see whether or not they're serious about this or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, So is there a third? I guess we'll find out tonight.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. Why, uh, let me ask you, we're going too long here, but let me ask you one
0: more question. Uh, Why do people not have an interest in civic politics? Because arguably, mayor and council make much more important decisions
3: when it comes to our everyday life. And I agree with you. When it comes to garbage pickup, when it comes to the mechanics of everything, but that also may mean that um, people are pretty content Mm. with what's going on. Uh, in the end. I would love to see sixty, seventy, eighty percent turnout yeah. for a municipal it's going to election. It's gonna be half shot. It's gonna be more like half maybe a little higher this time because of origin. Me, and, and and which would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wonderful. Um, what gets my goat is the the school trustee races. Because I think that yeah, uh, get enough attention. you don't get enough attention and certainly um, I'd like to pay a little bit more attention to it because these are people that are really deciding Um, many aspects of our children's education and how our tax dollars are spent. And at uh, City Hall, um, I I think it's incumbent upon us to scrutinize these candidates a little bit more, and I think we'll be doing that over the next month. So this is the serious season now. It all starts after 4.30 today. Mm -hmm. See who is on the slate. Again, we have the board in our newsroom, and I look at it and think... A lot of male candidates. Yeah, not enough women. Not enough women are running. That's still a, a chronic problem in politics in general and and the impediments there. Um, but I do see some names that also uh, reflect the diversity of our city. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And I promise,
0: final question, because you've got a show to get ready for 4 o'clock. Janice Lukes. I like Janice. When she went in as a counselor. I wasn't sure how she was going to do. But she has really proven... To be, in my opinion, anyhow, a really good counselor, and I think that's why she faces no opposition, or we think that she will face no opposition come four thirty today, because she's really proven herself. As I, I thought, it was w- when Janice was elected. I thought, oh, it's going to be bike path, bike path, bike right? Path. Well, that
3: and that was her background, but right. she, she, but she has really become a, a, a real solid
0: politician in the nicest sense.
3: Yes, and she is uh, able to stick it to others nicely as well. She's one of the people behind the whole referendum idea. And arguably, you could say that uh, Janice Lukes, along with uh, Broadi, stuck it to the mayor by making sure that that plebiscite is out there. Lukes, uh, I've known her for years. Mm -hmm. She does her homework. She's always working. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, at times you say, well... Counselors, you know what do they do? They yeah. do a lot. They're it's going to hard. a lot it's of community a tough work, gig, man. And uh, I always, I always measure a counselor by their ability to return phone calls to constituents. Mm. And uh, Luke's has got that. And remember, we have fewer city councilors than Winnipeg MLAs. Right. That's the way it works. Mm-hmm. You have more represent- representation at the Manitoba Legislature in mm-hmm. Winnipeg than you do at City Hall. Yeah. So they do a lot. On shoestring budgets, mm-hmm. when it comes to that, again, not popular to say, yeah. but certainly they they do a lot of work in their communities, uh, and um, they help set the table for what happens
1: in your neighborhood. Yeah.